0: Hi everyone, this is the third episode of the research behind Lift the Lid a podcast aimed to inform our listeners of the findings that have emerged from research that Australian Rotary Health has funded over the years. I'm Jessica Cooper, and today on this episode, I will be talking to Dr. Lyndall Strasdens from the Australian National University. Australian Rotary Health awarded Dr. Strasdens with a mental health research grant in 2014 for her project called Work-Family Conflict, Work-Family Enrichment, and Their Significance for Children's Mental Health. Dr Strasdens is a Professor and ARC Future Fellow at the Research School of Population Health. She is a recognised leader in the field of work, family and wellbeing, especially the role played by work time and the pressures and health challenges for families to combine work with caring, or for young adults to combine work with study. She also collaborates with national NGO organisations regarding social policy for Australian families. In 2011, Dr. Strasdens was awarded an Australian Research Council Future Fellowship investigating time as a research, as a resource for health. Her research focuses on contemporary predicaments of work and care and their health and equity consequences, viewing health as interlinked within families. More recently, she has been leading theory and evidence on time as a social determinant of health, viewing time as a resource like money. Which underpins inequality and is fundamental for people's capacity to be healthy. So, thank you for joining us on our podcast today, Lyndall. It's great to have you here. How have you been coping lately with everything that's been going on?
1: Well, I don't think anyone imagined last year that this is what this year would become. Um, And even though we are in the middle of, um, I think, an, an unprecedented global pandemic, it's come on the back of, an extraordinarily deep drought, um, bushfires that have had an unimaginable impact on um, Australian communities and the Australian um, environment and wildlife, and um, even in Canberra then we got hit with a hailstorm just to kind of keep going with the whole. So it's been very, you know, I think that um, we, we should not underestimate that this, all these add up in people's hearts and minds. And um, for everybody, this has been a wearing and worrying um,
0: year. Yeah, absolutely. It just seems like one thing after another. And that, yeah, it must really have an impact on people's mental health. Um, well, I,
1: I, we're definitely seeing that. And I think that the, it's, it's now well accepted that you know, people's mental health it is really closely connected to family relationships, to love and care, but it's also closely connected with environments, with the way the world goes, with our sense of um, safety and fairness in society and our feelings about our future. Mm. So it's, it's all of the above and we need to realise that you know, um, it's both how we treat each other and it's also how the world's working and how, our, um, how we feel our world's faring and our country's faring.
0: Yeah. So a lot of your research expertise lies in children's mental health and I know that with COVID-19, it's not only adults who may be struggling with their mental health at the moment but possibly children and teenagers as well. I'm wondering if you might have any advice for children or maybe even their parents during this challenging time.
1: Well, the first thing to say is that um, it's it's. it's it's a mixture. So that we can do a lot to help each other and support each other, but we also have to acknowledge it's hard. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for children and parents in particular, um, and children of all ages in different ways. Um, so on the one hand, you know, that, that bit for parents and children to be able to feel that connection with each other and support, fundamental to how well they'll fare. On the other hand, it's a tough, a very tough gig for families. Uh, children don't have their peer relationships and their friendships, which are very vital to um, their sense of self. The limitation on physical activity is actually a hugely important issue for mental health and well-being children and adults because actually physical activity is one of the best ways to improve your mental health and well-being. And not just physical activity in terms of an exercise, but physical activity where you're interacting with others. So the isolation is really, really difficult for a lot of the ways, um, those day to day, we often take for granted ways of keeping ourselves healthy. So families can make sure they do physical activity, but understand that it is harder. And that's, that is, that is it's a harder reality for very many people. And of course, for, for you know, the, the, um, the research project that, that the Rotary has supported and funded, which I think has been world leading, um, is highlighting how hard it is to combine work and family responsibilities. And guess what? That's what almost more than ever before Australian families are trying to do right now as they work from their homes and try and do homeschooling as well as home mm. care. So this whole idea of you know home places becoming workplaces and trying to do two things at once um, and what that ha- what that sort of pressure that creates on parents but probably also on children um, that's what our research was all about mm. we had no we had no idea that it would would ramp up to, to what, what has happened in the last two or three months
0: mm. yeah it's certainly yeah putting a lot of pressure on on parents and and families at the moment and um, so I guess you know at the time in 2014 when you started this project what was the significant of uh, significance of a project like this when, when you first started out
1: well, I'd just mean step back a little bit. There's been quite a lot of research showing that um, it's not just whether you have a job or not, which is really good for your mental health, but what sort of job you have. And that's been going on for decades. And, and there's a lot of research in the health field showing how if you have a good quality job, one that gives you some flexibility and supports, um, you don't work very long hours, you're not overworked, um, you've got some security, you've got a supportive boss and colleagues, your mental health flourishes. Um, We often think that any job is better than no job, but actually the evidence is that a bad job is as bad for people's mental health as being unemployed. Mm -hmm. Now, this project actually said, well, wait a minute, Um, but there's there's two jobs, really. There's the job of raising a family as well as the job of earning income, and most of the literature hasn't really thought about those two together. Mm -hmm. And these days, when we have a workforce which is almost 50-50 men and women, we're almost there in terms of percentage of women working, then actually it's the combination of those two jobs that might be really important for mental health, not just that one side of it, it's both. And it's both not only the quality of what's going on in family and the quality of what's happening at work, but it's actually how the two relate and whether they support each other or interfere with each other. So that idea of enrichment is this idea that your job could support you in terms of being a parent and managing your um, family care and the housework and all those other tasks that take up a lot of time Mm. or your job could actually interfere with it and so we investigated well let's actually look at the interface because we want every single parent to be a worker and a carer and almost all fathers in Australia want to be engaged and mothers almost most mothers want to be working the problem is it's hard to do and so they then become specialized so this was okay so what's what happens Uh, who's got um, jobs that actually help them combine work and family and who's got jobs that actually interfere with that and then what does that do to well-being not just of the parent but of the children as well
0: hmm. so uh, I guess what, what did you find from that study
1: uh, so it was I think it was the first study in the world to trace this through and um, uh, we used a, study, um, a data set called the longitudinal study of Australian children also called the growing up in Australia and um, the academics involved in this grant. Um, so this is a collaboration between the ANU and La Trobe University. We have had some of the top researchers on this particular grant. So we had Professor Jan Nicholson, um, Dr. Amanda Cookland, uh, We had Dr. Liana Leach. We had uh, Dr. Hon Din, um, myself. We had a list of people from ANU and La Trobe involved in this study. And... Um, we, we've been working with this data set called the Longitudinal Study of Australian Children, which gave us really good data on mother's jobs and father's jobs, and then not only their mental health and wellbeing, but kids. So it was the first time in the world you could tie all those bits together in in one data set. And most data sets either um, don't look much at jobs, or they only look at mother's jobs, not father's jobs as well, or they don't tie both jobs to a child, children's outcome. So we had all of the above in this one data set. So that's why we could do something different and new. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that was that was that, that was a leap for us in terms of what we could ask. And then in, in the, the first sort of analysis we did was we looked at well what happens to parents' mental health when they have jobs that support them or or actually make it harder to combine work and care. And it was very, very clear that when parents had jobs that made it um, easier for them, they, they were flourishing in terms of their mm. mental health. But the parents whose jobs made it really hard for them—they were faring the worst. Mm. And um, and we also looked at whether they moved in and out of jobs that were easier or harder, and found that if parents were, were had you know always had jobs that were quite supportive, they were doing the best over five or six years. Um, if they moved into a job from a job that was okay to a job that was actually harder, their mental health went down. If they moved from a job that was really making their family lives more difficult and they moved into a better job, their mental health went up. Mm-hmm. And if, they are all, if their job was always difficult for them, then they had the worst mental health of all. And this was both mothers and fathers, and there was a big impact on fathers. It matters to fathers and it matters to mothers. It's both of them. Mm-hmm. What was also really interesting was how fathers and mothers managed this because what happened was fathers... Um, Their way of dealing with with this problem was not necessarily to cut back their work hours, but to try and get a job that gave them a bit more flexibility. So that was how they dealt with it. Whereas mothers, they just cut their work hours and they began to work part-time. And that's a pattern we have in Australia. So we have a a workforce where most majority of mothers, at least when their children are young, are working part-time. It's for a good reason, because they're trying to avoid this conflict between their work and family. So that was the parents and that was new in the sense it was showing how powerful it was for mental health. Now the question is what does it mean for children? And I think one of the things that made our study really different was that we tend to think that the important things for children's mental health is what happens inside families But what this study shows is actually also what happens outside families, and that's how work makes a big difference because it changes how, what happens inside families at work. So just like the parents, if they had a mother or a father, and it was almost the same in terms of the impact on children who was in a job that was quite conflictual, then the children's mental health was lower than a child whose parents had a job that was supportive. And if their parent moved into a job that was difficult, so this is looking at families over time, children's mental health went down. And if their parents could escape from a difficult job into a more supportive job, children's mental health went up. Mm. So what you can see is the way we as a nation handle this big question, which is how do you manage a job and manage a family, both of which are very important, is really, really important for mental health, not just workforce but the whole family and it's a social challenge we have not really come to terms with
0: yet Mm -hmm. yes yeah trying to create that balance it would be very hard for some people and i mean maybe it'd be easier for others but yeah i guess it's not something that everyone can do you know at the same time so yeah it sounds like you had you know some really rich data to work with and and that these were you know as you said it was the first of its kind um, did this, you know, translate into to something that the public can use and, and was it published in some journals and, you know, what happened with these results?
1: Yeah. Well, again, I think this was world leading research because mostly the research has looked at either adults and work as a separate thing, or when they looked at children's mental health wellbeing, they've imagined that the main factors are inside families. And it's true, that's where they show up. But the things that, sh- that drive them can be outside families. So that was a, a really new finding. And we were able to show all those links right down to children. So we did publish them in some very good journals. In fact, the top journals um, for, um, for uh, uh, health and uh, society type journals. Um, so and But um, like I said, these, were, these are really important. Uh, findings in terms of um, the implications for policy. So as well as, I think, um, I think our study shows that this is a new area and it's a hard area for families to cope with. And that policy is trailing behind um, the problem at the moment. We haven't really got a good solution for work and family conflict. At the moment, the main solution we have in Australia is that we have mothers working part-time and so that gives them the flexibility just because they don't work very much. Mm. But that's that, that's that has other problems. It means that fathers are still working very long hours. And uh, we also published a paper called Long Hours and Longings, which was uh, showing that actually fathers don't wanna work long hours. They wanna have more time with their kids. And so mm. it's actually, a, um, Uh, causing distress for fathers and their children want to spend more time with them and it's causing distress for children so Mm -hmm. at the moment by not having good policy about it we're, we're, we're kind of locking in this very um this pattern of long hours and short hours in families which is the best possible solution for many families but it's not a satisfactory solution in terms of what children are wanting from their parents and also what most parents now want to do in terms of time for children. So we're, we're, we, we haven't got there yet. I think these papers really provoked a lot of debate. We got quite a lot of media about it. We got a lot of um, uh, newspaper and, and discussion and debate and talkback. Um, the talkback shows I did, it was really interesting because I had overwhelmingly, it was fathers who rang me. Mm. and we we may not think that this is a big problem for fathers but actually it really is a big problem because they're quite locked in it's much harder for a man to work part-time than it is for a woman in terms of um or his job to give him flexibility because we we, workplaces are still largely seeing that you know men should be the number one job is the number one thing for, for for male workers so i had a lot of calls from fathers talking about how they work very long hours and how um, they could see the impact on their families, and they were—they didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we've changed the world yet with this research, um, but we've—we've we've told the world what the problem is, and yes. that's a big step forward. So the next step is really to go. So how do we solve this? What do we need to do? Um, what's going to meet mothers' needs, fathers' needs, and children's needs? Mm. And in a way move into a more 21st century way of thinking about work as something that most people will be combining with some form of care, whether it's their, old, their parent, or their children, or a disabled person, or a friend, or that, 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 that actually is now more of a norm, normal thing to be doing, not an abnormal thing to be doing. And we need to make work a feasible option for everybody.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, it definitely sounds like you have learnt a lot from this and yeah, there's something that we can all learn, but yeah, it's just, I guess, solving that problem, as you said, that that's the real challenge. And I guess, you know, from, from this initial grant from Australian Rotary Health, um, did this help you secure additional funding in this area to continue on with the research?
1: Uh, Well, yes and no, we, we did try for some grants, which we weren't successful in getting. Um, um, However, um, what it really made clear to me was the problem of time. And so this grant really got me thinking about this idea about time Mm -hmm. and that people need time for health and that children, for children to be healthy, they need sufficient time with their parents. And parents need to be able to spend sufficient time with the children, but people also need time to exercise, they need time to eat healthy food, mm-hmm. and that there are a whole lot of families who are very, very time poor. And we, we t- tend to think of pe- families as disadvantaged when they're income poor, but actually time poverty is also a big problem for our health and well-being. So that this this grant has made me think about that, and then be developing those ideas showing that time poverty and income poverty or shortage, whatever word you want to use, are both actually really important for families and We, we often imagine it 's only rich families that are time poor that 's not true at all mm. um, you know there 's a whole lot of families who are working poor who have low wages and who work very long hours, or have got really really difficult care responsibilities, so they 're very time poor because they're doing so much care, so they've got disabled um, members or uh, elderly members as well as children. Um, So um, around one in 10 families, in fact, are both income and time poor, and they get a double whammy in terms of their mental health and their physical activity and their healthy eating. So that's what this grants led me to see, is actually we need to think about people's time and value it a whole lot better than we currently have and not assume it's endless.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is um, so you're working on on research in that area at the moment, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you found anything interesting so far? Or?
1: Well, yeah. Um, I don't know. You may not remember. We had a lot of media on one of the papers, which was called um, addressing the hourglass ceiling. And this paper was actually looking at what's the maximum working hours that are good for an Australian adult to work yeah. so we're looking at you know at what point does does, does your work time start to, to actually deteriorate you know uh, impact your mental health and we can see like a nice u-shaped curve so when we model this you can see that for australians working is generally better for their mental health than not working and up to about 39 hours a week it looks the curve looks pretty healthy and then suddenly starts to go down mm-hmm. so we were the we were the first people to really model that little that sweet spot around working hours which is actually funnily enough around the 38 hour week which we all have the big issue was that was very different for women and men and here's where the care came into it so women actually could not work those 39 hours if they were the primary care of the children or their mental health would go down so you could see that um, at the moment the way we've organized work makes it almost impossible for mums to to become full-time workers or dads to kick back out of long hours and to be working an ordinary full-time hour job and that's this study showed that's about the sweet spot we need to aim for if we want to make this a a healthy family-friendly economy.
0: Mm -hmm. Well it sounds like you've done some really interesting work and and that it's continuing all the time and and I know that you know we're, we're able to continue funding mental health research, much like yours, with the generous fundraising and donations from Rotarians and, and the wider public. But um, we've heard that many researchers are banding together at the moment, saying that we need research into mental health, especially now with um, COVID-19, as it may have a very large impact going forward. Would you yep. join these researchers in saying that we need more donations at a time like this, especially?
1: Absolutely, I think you know uh, we've got some anecdotal evidence that there's been a massive spike, uh, not only in domestic violence but in 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 mental health problems. Mm-hmm. And um, we need to understand what, how, why, and who um, have really been dis- you know really been impacted by the COVID uh, uh, experience. I also think we need research on young people. And children, because um, not only have they been impacted by it, but they're looking up into their world and going, "What's happening?" And so we need to understand what sense they're making of all this, um, in terms of and how that might be affecting their their feelings of hope, um, their sense of having. Uh, a future, uh, having a good world, um, being able to succeed, uh, having opportunities. So we need to understand how that's forming up their own views of the world that they're growing up into, Mm -hmm. as well as the actual impact on family. So this is actually a very critical time. And we need the research so we can actually start to take this seriously. This is not just, um, you know, we can, if we want to come out of this uh, pandemic um, what I hope is that we come out of it with a focus on how can we be better? Yeah. How can we, rather, let's not go back to normal, let's go back to something better.
0: Yeah. And the
1: research will give good guidance on what why we need to go back to something better and what the sorts of things we might need to do to, to make actually a better world than the one we started with uh, before these catas- yeah, these glo- global catastrophes um, and yeah. national catastrophes. So, yeah. That's why, why we need the research, to help actually do something better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully things will start to change instead of staying the same. Hopefully it's it's a bit of a wake-up call for everyone. Well, it's it's been wonderful to have you here on our third episode of our podcast today, Lyndall. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, just before we go, did you have anything else that you wanted to add?
1: Well, I, want, I really want to thank Rotary and... Um, for supporting this research. It was, um, it w- it gave us the kickstart to be understanding and, and to have the first look into this um, issue. And as I said, I think we were actually, we, we led the world in, in what we were able to show. Mm-hmm. And it's so important if we want to actually make families um, have Be economically viable as well as be able to love and care for for each other and and children. So, this is this Rotary and the vision to support research into mental health um, enabled, I think, some extremely important um, evidence for policy making. So, I'd like to thank Rotary and all the Rotarians um, who have supported the organization, not only just through donations, but because I know you are a highly active giving. Um, community and collectivity and you give a lot to communities through a whole lot of other schemes as well as the research funding scheme and I I think I'd like to thank you on behalf of of the Australian community as well as the Australian community of researchers.
0: Yeah well yeah it's been great and and I'm glad that we have been able to fund such a, a wonderful project that's that's taught us so much about work and families and yeah and it's been really great to have you on on our podcast today so thanks again pleasure no worries thank you for listening to the third episode of our podcast called the research behind lift the lid it's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness if you would like to help more mental health research like dr strasden's continue please consider donating to our covid19 appeal we have an aim to raise two hundred thousand dollars by june thirty so your support would be very much appreciated. Please see the link to donate on our Australian Rotary Health Facebook page. We hope you will join us again next time. Thank you very much for listening.